0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. My, oh my, all-star weekend has come and gone. We'll talk a little bit about that, <laughs> a little bit about that, The dunk, <laughs> the dunk contest that well, maybe we wish wasn't, but the All Star game was good, so we'll we'll talk real quick about that. But we have a lot of topics to get into today. LeBron James, what is going on with LeBron and the Lakers? Goran Dragic finally picks a new home. We've got a lot of stuff like that to dive into. Some uh, spots opening up on the buyout market. All kinds of things to dive into. So, joining me as always is Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Keith, let's go. All-Star Weekend. We went into this saying, saying that we didn't enjoy the All-Star Game all that much typically and we enjoyed All-Star Saturday night more. And so, of course, of course, the All-Star Game was awesome and the dunk contest was very much not awesome. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah they, exactly right man the all-star game ended up being the best part of the weekend it was uh you know it was it was pretty good i um i'll i'll fully admit i was only half watching i was actually uh catching up on some reading uh marine faders Giannis kupo book too just as an aside phenomenal mm, so cool. good um i i had to put it aside for a little while um but now i'm almost done with it so good such a good read if anybody's looking for something to pick up but yeah i mean the game ended up being a lot of fun. I think the changes to make each quarter like a competitive thing, plus the target mm-hmm. score at the end with the Elam ending has made it really good. Now, I will fully admit, I don't like the idea of the ELAM ending in real games. I, I don't think it's something that should happen. But in the All-Star game, yeah, I'm 100% for it. It's an exhibition game. If it's one of those years where it's like a 30-point game, yeah, let's get that thing over with as soon as we can. And if it's a close game, you end up with with a lot of fun and uh, Steph Curry going bananas and LeBron hitting the game winner. So, you know, good stuff all around.
1: My thought on the ELAM ending is this. In-season tournament. Use it, use it for that, use it for that. Then it'll have a totally different feel than the rest of the season. It will add an extra layer of excitement to an in-season tournament that some people have been kind of lukewarm about, particularly, you know, players. I think giving it that, that separate feel from the season would be a very welcome addition, especially with how well this has gone with the all-star games the last couple of seasons using it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. In in, in any tournament setting, this this is the uh, dad in me who goes to many of soccer tournaments. Anything you can do when things are a little one-sided to shorten it, Mm -hmm. shorten it up and get the day moving along, right? Because nobody wants to be, hey, our game's supposed to kick off at... You know, one thirty. And yet here we are because the first three games ran super long mm-hmm. and you're you're not not kicking off till like two thirty when you've already been out there all day. But any any soccer parents out there know know my pain on that one. They uh they, They'll feel that you'll know this, too. So my my
1: my, uh, my daughter <laughs> has her first soccer game ever this coming weekend perfect so so it. she yeah we're we're getting ready after growing up spending my life on on <laughs> soccer fields every weekend that was all i did Yeah. now uh i'm passing yeah. that on to her um yep.
2: any yeah no I'll, I'll good the three-point contest carl anthony towns winning mm-hmm. super fun yep right not only winning but dominating <laughs> uh to to some extent man he was on fire um skills challenge was weird and disjointed and i don't think half the guys knew the rules but it was still kind of fun there's something there with that team element uh and then yeah and then there was a dunk contest and we'll leave it at that
1: keith i didn't understand the rules like i do i do this for a living and i was looking at the rules saying thinking what what this doesn't make It, it it got to a point where my brain went into tldr mode where i'm just like this is too long. I, I'm not going to bother figuring this out. I'm just going to watch it and see what's what's going on here. But I think they're onto something with that skills competition. <laughs> yeah. It just needs to be – it needs refinement. It doesn't need to be scrapped. The dunk contest, is there a way – how do you fix the dunk contest? I, to, in my mind, there were better dunks in the All-Star game than in the dunk contest. That's a problem. Sure. you yeah. got to figure out some way to get the top guys to do it. For whatever reason, the, the top guys continue to say no thank you to the dunk contest. And it really created a problem this year.
2: Yeah, I think you do one or one of two things if you really, really want to fix it. The first one, and this is never gonna happen. See if you can get guys to go out there to be defenders. Because the best dunks happen when there's a defender. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get somebody dunking on them. So get uh you know, Rudy Gobert out there. Who's gonna volunteer to know. get
1: dunked on them? Exactly.
2: Yeah. That's it. Nobody's gonna to wanna to do that. But maybe you set it up where They can win something, too, if they prevent X amount of dunks. And, of course, then you run the risk of somebody getting hurt or something like that. So my real answer is jack the prize money up so high, whether to to direct to the player or to a charity of their choosing or something, that these guys really can't say no. Now, you'd have to get it really, really high because, I mean, they're not going to do it for less than, you know, millions of dollars, Mm -hmm. but. Maybe if you can get it up there, then you'll get some of these guys in there and then they'll be really, really uh get ready to go. But yeah, I um I I I don't know. I am willing to accept this was maybe just a bad year mm-hmm. and we'll get back to it being good again soon.
1: At one point the dunk contest was seen as a major piece to a player's legacy. I mean, we think back to Vince Carter, we think back to Michael Jordan winning the dunk. Like these these were key moments for some all-time greats. And it feels like we've kind of lost that recently. And who knows? Maybe, maybe yeah. this is just one down year and we'll see where things go from here. But we've got other news topics to get into. And I, yeah, I suppose what we need to start with here is we've been you know, asking for yeah, about a week now. Where is Gordon Dragic finally going to land? And now we know. And it's exactly where we thought the whole time. <laughs> no, not at all. The Brooklyn Nets are getting Goran Dragic, which is an interesting fit to me, but it makes on the offensive end. It makes sense because Kyrie Irving can play half your games. And Dragic is the kind of player who, when Kyrie Irving's out, you can give them the ball and off you go. And when Kyrie Irving is in, you can have him off the ball. And you're just fine there as well. So in terms of a versatility standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Defensively, eh, we still have some concerns there for the Nets. But I like the landing spot. And then, of course, the connection with Steve Nash is there as well. So looking at it now, it makes sense, even if this wasn't the team that we thought he was going to land with going into this whole process.
2: Yeah, I think the thing with the Nets backcourt previous with James Harden was Harden is big enough and defends often bigger players, especially in a switch style system that you could get away with playing him with two guards. Now, you don't really have that. You can't really play more than two of these guys together out of the grouping of Kyrie Irving, Goran Dragic, Seth Curry, and Patty Mills. But on the flip side, you now have 96 guard minutes covered. You know, more than than covered between those four guys on the nights when they're all available. But as you said, I think it's only eight games Kyrie Irving can appear in the rest of the regular season. And I think the Nets have, if I have this correct, 23 games left, Um, because remember, he can't play in home games or games in New York. So they have a road game against the Knicks later in the season that he can't play in and he can't play in games in Toronto either, which they have a game at the Raptors as well, because you can't cross the border as an unvaccinated individual. So, so that, that makes it kind of tough. So they're, you know, getting Dragic for this stretch run is big too, just to kind of firm things up. Cause the Nets have work to do here as we, we kind of sit here. This is nice. Cause no matter when you listen to this in the next couple of days, it won't change standings wise. Um, But they're in eighth place in, in the, uh, in the Eastern conference, they're two and a half behind the Celtics in sixth for that final assured playoff spot. That's not enough where you're like, Oh my gosh, are they even going to make it? They could make that ground up, you know, in the span of a couple of days. But knowing you're not going to have Kyrie Irving for a little while still sounds like Kevin Durant's going to be out a little bit based off what Steve Nash was mm-hmm. saying. Um, getting Drogic to help prop up your offense. Assuming he can do that, I think he probably can. You're you're in a pretty good place moving forward.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Now we should note, just to kind of close the book on this, that the Nets are waving Javon Carter yep. in order to make room for Drogic coming in. I would have to think he's gonna land somewhere. I mean, i, I I've, yeah, got, I've got I've got a fairly it. high opinion of Javon Carter in terms of being like a three and D style guard. I think somebody's gonna mm-hmm. pick him up.
2: I think so too. If, if you go into a playoff series and Javon Carter is your th- third point guard in your rotation, you're probably in pretty mm-hmm. good shape. He's you know a fairly tough on ball defender. Uh, not great off the ball because he's just he's, yeah. he's pretty small. He doesn't really offer anything help wise, um, but he's a decent enough shooter that you can get by with it. So yeah, he, my guess is I don't think anybody claims him on waivers, mostly because then you're assuming the 3.6 million he's owed this year plus the 3.9 million he's owed next year. So I think that will he'll clear waivers and then someone will sign him to a prorated minimum contract uh, for the rest of this year and and and. I don't think he's going to be the kind of guy who might swing a playoff no. series like Dragic could, but I do think he is um, someone who could uh, really help a team moving forward.
1: Oh, absolutely, and, and Dragic, obviously different different tier of player when we're talking about Dragic compared to, to Carter. But twenty six years old for Carter, thirty seven percent career three point shooter, solid. Yep. I mean, somebody's going to take a chance, even if he's yeah. a guy just, that's a, that's just on the end of your bench. He's a guy that in theory. You're in a pinch. You can call on him, plug him in, and expect him to be able to execute what you need. And, and teams will find that you attractive.
2: Know, you know what's funny, right? We had talked about the Bucks and the Heat as two teams who maybe need a point guard um, that were maybe interested mm. in Dragic and they just lost out on him. Why not Javon yep. Carter, right, if you're those two teams? I it, Honestly, I could see him in the Heat being – playing for the Heat and then being one of those guys when you're in a playoff series so like, oh, this guy again, <laughs> right, where he's just aggravating you because he's making plays you on you left and right. So, yeah, why not? And then, you know, if the Bucs are serious about adding another guard, I know they liked Drogic for his the, the more offense he can give you, but if you really feel like you need another guard in there, why not? And it would be kind of funny that they're going into the playoffs with two former Nets between uh, Dragic or between uh, Carter and then – Remember they they signed DeAndre Bembry right, right. before uh, we went into the break as well, so that would be a you know just kind of a funny subplot as well.
1: So that means when the Nets and the Bucks meet up in the playoffs, inevitably Bembry and Carter, if they do wind up both wind up there, will have major moments and big roles or something. Oh, just hundred percent. that's, yeah, that's, that's the way it, works. How it works. That's how it goes.
2: Yep, absolutely. Yep.
1: Uh, all right, let's let's jump to my team. <laughs> LeBron James had quite a weekend. So not only did he hit the game winner, hit the shot in order to put team LeBron ahead and make him now I believe 5 and 0 oh now when he's gotten to pick his own team going in I thought LeBron picked the better team than than Kevin Durant picked
2: I did too. But
1: in any event he hits the the game winner in Cleveland he's getting the big cheers there and everything. So that in and of itself is a story, but he also spent a lot of time talking about GMs for other teams in other <laughs> leagues. We're talking about the NFL. Very clearly, because LeBron LeBron is one of the most media-savvy athletes, probably yes. the most media-savvy athlete I've ever covered. He is, is incredible in terms of he understands the weight of his words. He understands how everything's going to be taken, and he uses that. And so he was fairly, I mean, maybe we want to say passive-aggressive, taking some shots at the Lakers through compliments that he's sending to other teams. Uh, he also said he wouldn't close the door on a return to the Cavs. And according to Brian Windhorst, a piece that he put out today said that LeBron is attempting to send the message to the Lakers that you need to do stuff this offseason. There's obviously some dissatisfaction with the Lakers not doing anything at the trade deadline this year. And that's going to set up for a particularly very busy summer for the Lakers and a lot of pressure on the organization as well.
2: Yeah, it's the the whole thing was, I mean, this was might as well have been you know, LeBron's like weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Where was, you know, everything was set up, of course, the return to Cleveland, right? So there was a lot of questions about that. He left open the the door of, yeah, I might come back mm-hmm. to the Cavs at some point. While also then making it very clear, he's not from Cleveland, which I thought was kind <laughs> yeah. of funny, which is is true, right? I mean, we've all face that right if you live just outside the bigger of a you know two sure. cities everybody assumes you're from the bigger one uh also made it very clear that he is um i he plans to play the final year years of his career with Bronny mm-hmm. when he gets drafted which set off a whole how high do you draft Bronny right? just to get lebron has that ever happened <laughs> before
1: because basically if you draft Bronny, you get lebron maybe it's only for a year yeah. but you get lebron that's part of the package
2: I, yeah no, I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't think, think so. we've seen anything I, I like mean, this. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember the huge deal it was when uh, Griffey senior and junior uh, homered in the same game, mm-hmm. um, maybe back to back, maybe. Um, I, I, I may have that wrong. Someone will, will know in the comments, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but that was a, uh, what a huge story that was. But I mean, but that's baseball where you can still be really good on either end. If there's anybody who's ever going to do it, it's going to be LeBron, right? Cuz we've never seen anybody be this good this late into their career where, you know, even if Bronny is 2 or 3 years away, I can still picture LeBron being a valuable player that, you know, teams would want to have. So so that was kind of funny that that set off a whole string of Twitter fun of how high do you draft Bronny to ensure you get LeBron? Like, you know, and what, what if you're one of these downtrodden franchises like do you just draft him just Cause then you get LeBron. I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty funny. I would imagine then if it turns into, I mean, let's just, I'll, I'll use it. Cause he said it, he very famously said he never wants to come back to Orlando after the bubble. Now that was related to spending months upon right. months yes. here. But <laughs> if you're, if you're the magic, do you draft his son and force his hand and be like, now you're coming <laughs> back to Orlando or does LeBron say, don't draft my kid magic. Well, don't do it. He, <laughs> don't do it.
1: He also right? put so, it out there that the money doesn't matter. So he's yeah. saying veteran, like teams <laughs> are going veteran, veteran minimum, them. right? Like, yeah. I mean, yep. that's so <laughs> just fine. This
2: could I mean with that.
1: This, I mean, how much does that increase Bronny's draft stock, right? Like if he's, at least if he's a, a good, job. if he's a mid second rounder and you're somewhere, maybe you're a 20th pick. Are you thinking about it? I mean, speak because from a fan perspective, we look at things just in terms of on court talent and you go, well, okay. If we're a rebuilding team, we get LeBron for a year. How much does that, does that really help us long-term? Okay. From a team perspective, though, from a revenue perspective, having LeBron James for his final season oh, of his career is massive. Yeah. I mean.
2: Yeah, you're going to sell out every home yeah. game. Yeah.
1: It's, I, I can't yeah. wait to see how that, I, okay, I can wait because I'm not looking forward to seeing an NBA without LeBron, obviously incredibly talented no. player, one of the greatest yes, of all time. Agreed. But how that all plays out is going to be absolutely fascinating.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's. All right, let's, sorry, we went on a really wild tangent, but fairly, the man did himself this entire weekend, set off multiple tangents. So back to the more immediate.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data,
2: Is as media savvy as we have in professional sports today. He clearly grew up knowing how to play this game, right? Mm-hmm. So I think what he did, as Brian Windhorse adeptly called out, and, and even if you're not a big fan of Brian Windhorse remember, nobody's been covering LeBron longer, yep. right? I mean, he was you know, covering him when he was in high school. He has a pretty good handle on just kind of how LeBron works. Is Basically, told the Lakers, like, hey, we can't blow this off season. Like, we have to get it right. Then maybe I'm reading into it a little bit more than I should, but I feel like that was the message. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he's saying trade AD, trade Ross, trade everybody else, you know, do this, do that. I think it was more of we got we have to get this right. Or then does he start planning of, you know, it looks pretty good. T-Max. Mm-hmm. I could go there and help them. Does he just embrace you, know, you know what? I'll do this family, you stay here in LA. I'm going to go do this mercenary thing for a couple years. Bronny hits the league, I join his team, we call it a career and off we go. Yo, know, and we'll see. Now he also did say he's not at a point this year or next. I think he said I'm not a mid-level player. You know, and he has been very clear throughout the years of that he doesn't want to take less than the max because and this is where I 100% agree with him that as soon as he does it, every other team in the league will point to every player saying LeBron took less than the max. Why can't you? Right. And I think he's spot on with that, that that is him taking care of his guys, you know, for the league as a whole. But I think what we're looking at here is yes. He sent very clear messages to the Lakers of figure this out. And you know what? This is no different than what he did in his first Cleveland stint, what he did towards the end of his Miami time or what he did in his second Cleveland stint. It's get it right and even to some extent what he did in his first run through with the Lakers uh pre pre-bubble, right? It was hey, we got to do this, we got to do that, get these trades right. So, yeah, I'm I I superstar right, right to to do this. I say that all the time. So, here we are.
1: All right. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what what winds up happening with the Lakers again LeBron putting the pressure on. We'll go from there. I'm going to have a ton of this on over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. <laughs> I was going to
2: say, if you want Trevor's long form thoughts.
1: I've already done, <laughs> I think, two or three videos on this. And I think I need to do another one based on some of the wind horse stuff. We're going to be talking a lot of LeBron for the entire, entire offseason. That's going to be a thing. But let's talk a little bit about Anthony Davis. The injury uh, officially. And I think it came out after our last show. So we might as well throw this in here. Uh midfoot yeah. sprain, which... Okay. We're not sure exactly what that, what that means. My, my wife, I want to caution here. My wife has a background in athletic training, a degree in kinesiology, all that, but she's not an active athletic trainer. But the first thing when I said, Oh, Anthony Davis has a midfoot sprain. She said, that means they couldn't see much on the, on the MRI. And so they just throw that as kind of like a generic term that that,
2: and that references a couple of the injury experts who are out there
1: said similar type yes. things. And so when I saw those two, I went, okay, so she's so I want to give her a little bit of credit here, but it sounds like they're going to reevaluate in four weeks. Now the key term there is reevaluate um, could be yeah. and could be as long as six weeks. Reevaluate does not mean return uh return would involve ramping back up getting back into practice all that sort of stuff that's going to take some time so realistically best case scenario the lakers are probably in my mind best case without him for for five weeks um four yeah. weeks reevaluate everything's good to go green light then you have a week of ramping back up in practice then he actually gets back on the floor worst case not back until maybe play in tournament time that's that's what the lakers are looking at here with anthony davis
2: Yeah. And the tough thing with this one is unlike Chris Paul, who we're going to talk about in a second here, because we got more clarity on his injury is this is a foot injury. So it's a little harder to keep your conditioning up. Whereas when it's a hand injury or an upper body injury, a lot of times you can still run, you can still do some of your stuff there. So um, that's going to be the hard part for Anthony Davis. Now he's never been a guy who gets himself like he doesn't get super fat and way out of shape or anything. So hopefully if anything, I remember a lot of the stories being, he has trouble keeping mass on when he's, you know, uh, during, during downtime. So, so let's see where, where that goes um, with him uh, with this, but yeah, it's a, uh, you know, th- this is tough. I mean, it just, we, we it sound like a broken record with this, but it's just, everything becomes that much harder for, for the Lakers. And, I, I, I still struggle to see them dropping out of the play tournament. Yeah. They have a four and a half game lead with what are they? they have twenty four games to play. Mm-hmm. Um I think if my math's right, so that's that's should be fine. you know you should be able to do that and it's unclear exactly those teams back there how hard they're pushing. But now, I mean I felt this way for a couple weeks before this getting out of the play tournament. that's out of the picture unless you know things really go. Uh, sideways for Denver or maybe Dallas in front of them, but it, it's just that much harder. You're probably in a position now where you're gonna have to win at least one, if not two, games in the playing tournament. And then what I worry about for LeBron is how much is he gonna have left going into the postseason? Because you know, as great as he's played, it's it's just hard. So and then they still have is it like the third hardest remaining schedule or something yeah, like that? It's, not easy. it's way up there. Yeah. It's it's so. not
1: easy for sure. Yeah. All right. All right. You want to go to Chris Let's Paul. Let's go to another depressing injury. Uh, Chris Paul <laughs> yeah. so weird that he played he basically played left-handed I know, that was... in the All-Star yeah. game. Yeah. Um thumb injury. Uh is going to require some some time away. Hopefully he'll be back by by playoff time, but um this is an, evol- an avulsion fracture so part of the bone is pulled away i remember kobe for one season i dealt with it on a, on his pointer finger and, uh, and actually mm-hmm. played and shot with that finger wrapped up and just played through the season that way but obviously with a thumb it's a little different situation
2: yeah.
1: um so chris paul is going to so, miss some time now
2: yeah as an aside this is if you guys remember back uh, a few months ago my daughter had a avulsion fracture where she had a piece of the bone uh, pull off and no surgery. It just kind of heals on its own. Um, But with her what happened was um, they told us because it was on the outside of her hand, uh, just, um, you know, at the base of her pinky finger, that's actually not a super bad spot to have Mm it. And where you don't want it is exactly what the uh, orthopedist said was you don't want it on your thumb because it just makes everything hard for you. So him for Chris Paul, because he's right hand is his dominant hand. That's his shooting hand. There's going to be no, uh, you know, real shooting practice that can get done or anything like that. They're saying six to eight weeks. We're seven weeks from the end of the regular season. They have a six and a half game lead. I think they're fine. They, they've got Aaron holiday campaign is coming back. They should be fine in the regular season to continue to cruise through and get that one seed. But if you start talking about Chris Paul missing the first round of the playoffs or at least the beginning part of a series, again, just talk about things that get tougher. Your first round playoff series Mm -hmm. just gets that much harder uh, than it really probably needs to be. So just something to keep an eye on. But with that, we'll obviously be waiting for updates here. If you're the Suns, your hope is uh, re-evaluated and cleared in six Mm -hmm. weeks. Maybe plays a few days after that, maybe gets into that last regular season game or two and then, you move into the playoffs.
1: I wonder what this, what impact this is going to have on his shot. You know, I mean, yeah, for example, like Taylor Norton Tucker, there's been a lot made about him and his shooting this season. He tore a ligament in the thumb on his shooting hand. Mm -hmm. And you have to imagine that probably had some kind of an impact. We, I mean, we tend to see this when players suffer an injury to their shooting hand, it takes a little while to get back in that rhythm because like if you, let's say the injury was to his left hand. Okay. You can still get shots up. You can still you can yep. still practice your form and everything, and yep. you're probably going to be okay. It's when it's your shooting hand that it's tough. I mean that that that's another hurdle that he's going to have to clear here. And this is going to be this is going to be a story to watch for the Suns. How close to 100 can you get him by playoff time? Now I think they're good enough to where they can probably yep. get through the first round even if he's not 100. But to really get to where they they want to go, they need Chris Paul recovered and and quick once the playoffs start up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, let's see. Yo, where, where this goes. Let's hit on another big story yep. here. C- kind of two stories. Uh the first one broken by player CJ McCollum himself on uh, I think it was All-Star Saturdays uh pre-game uh, uh show. He was visiting with the TNT crew and they asked him about his trade to the Pelicans and somewhere in there one of the guys asked, you know, "Hey, what's going on with Zion?" And CJ McCollum said I don't know. I haven't talked to him. Um, You know, I've talked to everybody else. I've talked to people uh, around Zion, but I haven't talked to him. And then he added, I'm looking forward to it and getting to the bottom of what's going on. I'll let you know. Um, Kind of an issue Uh there, right, you would think. Um, We talked about a little bit of the oddity of C.J. McCollum was traded from Portland to New Orleans, where New Orleans star Zion Williamson is doing his rehab in Portland away from the team so you know CJ was you know presumably closer to him before the trade um but yeah i mean that one's interesting considering all it takes is you know a quick text or a phone call mm. to link up with people these days it's not like he needs to wait till he sees him in the facility um then so that one's is what it is then on top of that howard beck of sports illustrated writing about the idea of players Demanding trades. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a big topic of Adam Silver's media availability um as he did kind of his state of the NBA address. Um, uh, there, there was a lot of you know what happened with James Harden and the Sixers and Ben Simmons and all that stuff. And um just to close that, loop Adam Silver basically said, I prefer if everybody honored their contracts, but this isn't anything new, and basically said, I don't know how to fix this. Um, but Howard Beck, in his piece about that, said NBA teams already preparing for Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Zion Williamson, trade demands to come. Now, before we dive deeper into it, I will say this. NBA front offices have, every single one of them, has people assigned to scenario planning purposes, where it is, hey, what if we have a shot at player X? What do we need to do to be able to get there? Whether it be a free agent, player through trade, whatever it is. So, that could be this normal part of business, you know, with this, but you know, we'll, we'll see where, where this all goes, but it's uh, it at least, you know, raise my eyebrows a little bit of, huh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. um, And in particular with this, this whole situation is what are, how are, how do owners perceive this? I mean, these, these players asking out because I tend to look at it as if a player's within one year, of his contract. I've said this before on here, uh, within one year of being a free agent and he lets the franchise know ahead of time. Hey, I'm going to go somewhere else. If you can get something for me, get something like looking at, looking at the LeBron situation, right? I hope if if LeBron decides in 2023, I'm not going to stay. I'm going to go somewhere else. I hope LeBron tells the Lakers this summer. And I would, I would actually applaud LeBron. If he did that, I think that would be a huge benefit to the franchise. If he said, Hey, I'm going to leave. If you guys want to move me. Okay.
2: Imagine that. What? Like just LeBron on the open trade oh, market. My goodness. Like Holy crap. We, we'd have to do a 30 part series on how this works. You know, <laughs> it, would, it would be
1: a busy summer for sure. But, yeah. but you know, I, I and I'm...
2: and imagine, you know, how when he's a free agent, like he waits until yep. the last minute to do his stuff. Imagine that we, we, we'd we be so angry. Summer league would be here and gone. We'd be bringing the kids back to school and there'd be no movement because everybody's still waiting for LeBron on the trademark.
1: I'll tell you title. when it would be. So my wife and I just booked a big vacation for the end of August. It's going to, the day I'm planning to leave, that's when it would happen because I, I looked at that time yep. and I went, this is the safest time for me to go somewhere. <laughs> that's when it, when it would happen. But in any yeah. event, uh um, yeah, this is, it's, it's the type of thing where if a, if a player is working with a team, okay, but now sure. you've got players that are asking out so early that we're clearly into this, this era of sign the contract, get the money and then pick your destination later, yep. which has been in a concept that's been around for a while. This isn't anything new but yep. we're taking it to the extreme now where the contracts don't seem to matter nearly as much. Now, again, we talk about NBA owners kind of brought this on themselves, right? They, they shortened the yep. lengths of contracts and created more player movements, And so then more players get more opportunity to say, Hey, I'd like to go team up with that guy. I'd like to go play with that guy. Um, what about from the fan perspective though? Is this damaging to NBA fans to have so many players bouncing around like this?
2: Um, yeah, I think it's, potentially damaging the fans of those teams mm-hmm. like it's, it's funny i think of all three of these guys and we'll use lillard mitchell and zion yeah. as the test cases right because those are the guys howard beck named um i think lillard's a little different because that's nothing new i mean we've that's been out there for God, a year now right we've been kind of we, we've known that and i don't think the blazers fans are going to be upset if damian lillard's like yeah it's it's time Right, I, I, I just think that's the way to go. And honestly, that would be better now than before they build this whole team that's uh, you know, meant to revolve around Lillard. And then if he's like, I don't like what you did see later, that could become really problematic. But um, Williamson, different mm-hmm. too, is at the end of his rookie scale contract. Um, there's already been all the speculation of, you know, what do you even do there? Do you give him I mean, the max he's, and he's hope been he gets hurt. healthy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I was talking to somebody who said you almost have to give him the max with the Embiid language attached to it. Of you know, hey, if you have any of the X, these five X problems, um, you know, foot, back, knee, whatever it may be, we can get out of your contract and owe you you know only a portion of it left. So maybe that's the way it goes. Um, So that one, he he is a free agent a year from. Well, not a year from now, but he's got one more year left and then free agency. Mitchell's the one that feels weird and doesn't feel great to me because he's in year one of a five year max extension. Now, to be fair, Donovan Mitchell has repeatedly said. He's not asking for a trade. He's not interested in a trade. Nothing. Now people can put all the words in his mouth that they want. People can speculate all they want. I mean, that's kind of part of the game here. Um, But I, I tend to take players at their word until they change that word. And if, you know, he doesn't says he doesn't want it to be traded. You know, he doesn't want to be traded. Now, as I said, you know, with LeBron earlier in the show, superstar, right. Can be hey jazz. I'm here for the long haul, but here's the moves we need to make. You know, I want X, Y, Z. You know, to happen around me with this team, and maybe that's the way this goes. So, so let's see. You know what happens with with that one. Uh, with, with with that, I I I don't know. That one feels feels off. If that turns into in the next year a full on trade demand, I'm gonna feel the same way I felt about Ben Simmons' mm-hmm. situation. Slightly different because there was obviously a lot of personal stuff in the Simmons situation, but it just feels bad to be asking. So I think in this case, I like think Portland fans would be understanding. I think New Orleans fans might be like, you know what? I don't even want to yes, deal with this right. headache. I think Utah fans have every right to be angry if if this is the way this goes. And I think they should be. I, I think that's not okay. Casual NBA fans, I think they love it. They they want this drama. Mm-hmm. They want all this swirl around it. And that's where they want big market fans that know that they, they get these guys all the time. I think they're, you know, super enthused about this to be like, hey, go. I mean, you know how it works. I mean, anytime the guys mention you get 4,000 photoshops of them <laughs> in, in a Lakers thing, yep. jersey, in a Knicks jersey, in a Nets jersey, right? It's, you know, there's just certain teams and you know, we'll see where that goes.
1: So I thought the Beck piece mentioned something that was really important. And that was that from the GM perspective, the the idea circulating around is if a guy can ask out of a four-year deal right after signing or a five-year deal right after signing it, how the hell do we plan for the future? How do we, how do you plan at all? Like for, for GMs that are all about strategy and hey, this is how I'm gonna build my lineup for, for the coming years. And I'm, I'm setting up these tra- draft picks to have this kind of flexibility and all of that. How much more difficult does the job become if the contract doesn't matter as much? And I think it, it becomes exponentially more difficult and then if that's the case and we do see say Donovan Mitchell opt out, what's the solution? We know the CBA is going to be open for negotiation in what a couple of seasons here. How do you how
2: do you solve this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good yeah. one for for that. I don't. Hey, I've said in the past, maybe the real answer is you sign one of these 5-year extensions with the team, uh-huh. the first 2 years, 3 okay. years, there's a no uh-huh. trade for everybody involved that doesn't necessarily feel right. Cause if things go really crappy on the team side, I want the player to be able to opt out. If things go really poorly on the player side, I want the team to be able to get out of that deal themselves. I I promise anybody who's watching and listening, I try to be right down the middle on this. I don't like this. I, I don't, Hey, it always feels weird to me that players get such a bad rap for they signed mm-hmm. a contract. They should, you know, see that through be yeah, teams can trade guys you know, every six months, if they want to, in most cases, that feels a little odd, right? That just feels weird. What, well, you know, that would be like my employer saying, Same. Hey, I'm trading you to, yo, know, X com- company X, you're, you know, da- down, down the river. Keith! And you're like, you're
1: covering the, I don't know. You're covering the Minnesota Timberwolves now pack up yeah. all your stuff yeah. and, and uh, buy yep. some, some warm coats and, and we'll yeah. see you.
2: Granted fully understand these guys make millions mm-hmm. of dollars, but, It's still, if the team, if the player should honor it, so should the team, but trades are also part of this, right? They are part of what makes this fun. So I I don't, it's, you know what, this is something I will take time and really try to think through where I think this should land. I'll probably write about it somewhere at some point and then we'll talk about it here. I just, you know, I, right now I just don't have an answer. I I don't know what the right, right
1: deal is. I agree. And that's Adam Silver said the same thing. Like what, we don't know what the solution is, at this point. But we'll see. And I, I think you have to be careful. I don't want to continue on this this topic, but but no. yeah, you have to be careful because we've seen all throughout NBA history, you try to fix something, and you can create other problems accidentally, inadvertently. You create other situations. Again, like I said, you cut down the length of contracts. Everybody says, Yeah, we don't get stuck paying a dude for seven years." Okay, now you're now you though you've got a ton <laughs> of player movement and your yeah. stars asking out and all you know so. Um, anyway, a couple of minor things to get into and I need to finish with a bigger topic. So the minor things, the bulls, uh, decided to waive Alfonso McKinney in order to sign Tristan Thompson. Yep. We talked all about the Tristan Thompson signing on our last show. Just that's kind of closing the loop there because we didn't know who they were going to wave.
2: Makes a little bit of one thing mm-hmm. I will say makes me think that the bulls feel pretty good about Patrick Williams getting sure. back. If they're willing to sacrifice wing depth, um, you know, through, through a waiver, um, that, that makes me feel like they, they feel good about him coming back.
1: Good point. Uh, and the Cavs have waived Kevin Pangos, which tells us that they probably feel okay about their possibility of landing someone on the buyout market because that opens up a roster. And spot. their point
2: guard depth, right? Mm-hmm. They now feel good that, which they mm-hmm. should feel, you know, plenty good with the guys they have. Uh Just John Kevin Pangos, um, didn't really have any impact. Uh He openly said, yeah, I, my goal was to play in the NBA. Someday he did. He's headed off to Cheska, Moscow as soon as he clears waivers from the NBA. And he'll finish his career now over in Europe um, as probably one of the better European uh, point guards, which is what he was before he came. One other smaller transaction i Apologies, I forgot to so tell you to put this on the rundown. Uh, Blazers waived Dennis Smith Jr., and they will um, sign Trendon Watford, yes. one of their two, two-way 2 players, to a four-year, nearly $6 million deal. It'll be plussed up in the first year and then uh, minimums from there on out. Uh, for him, we're going to see a handful of deals like that happen uh, the rest of the way. Here is these guys kind of play their way off of two-way contracts. so. Um, but I, I think hmm. that closes the books on the little transactions. I know we had one more thing. Yes. To talk
1: so about. Adam Silver, one of the big things that that he got into, and he even had to issue in a statement a statement afterwards to kind of more clarify <laughs> yeah. his thoughts. Um, he talked about a lot of things, but one of the things that sure. sort of got the the media media members, I guess, were included in that, um, upset or at least raised some eyebrows, ruffled some feathers was Adam Silver questioning whether or not as things get back to normal reporters in the locker room, whether or not that will actually be a thing. And, and brought up that it was, it's kind of a strange process that if you take a step back and you look at it, it's, it can be a little bit awkward at times. There were some reporters who were in the audience there that were asking questions that kind of pushed back and explained why that was important. But Keith, where, where do you fall on this? I mean, I've like you, I've been in locker rooms I think there's a benefit to it. I understand the other side too. Where, where do you fall in this situation?
2: Yeah. One is, um, talked about this a little bit on our last episode when we did a mailbag, uh, Uh, covering a team from afar. Um, I don't have that day to day, uh, in the locker room uh, ability. I just, I don't Right, I cover the Celtics from Orlando primarily. Um, handful of times each year I'm around the team when they travel here, or I generally try to travel somewhere to, to catch up with them at some point. Um, but the beat writers who are there every single day, this is where you get the really cool, fun stories about players. This is where you may overhear something and it may be just something like, I remember hearing once in the Orlando locker room, a guy uh, talking about playing against somebody in high school football and how that guy you know, drilled him mm-hmm. going across the middle to catch a pass. And then we had a long conversation. I didn't write about it because I don't cover the magic. But then one of the magic beat writers wrote about it after we had this long conversation. About, hey, what? you played high school football against this guy. Now you're both in the NBA. That's kind of cool. Those are the fun stories now we don't mm-hmm. get anymore. Because what happens is very rarely are you in, in front of a player without a microphone right there and without a podium separating you. Um, it used to be pre-pandemic, you would be at just about every practice, uh, before or after, um, where you could go. There was usually a scrum. You would ask, you know, hey, can we talk to so-and-so? And if you needed somebody for something once, I, I I did something once when the Celtics were in town for a local Orlando outlet, I needed Taco Fall. And I was like, can I get five minutes with Taco? No problem. You know, if you guys don't know Taco Fall played, college basketball, at UCF here in Central Florida. So no issue. I got Taco Fall. I got what I needed. Off we went. Um, a lot of times if you're working on something specific about a player's game, you could get them yes. one-on-one. Or you just get them in the scrum. Po- pre and post game, the NBA media was allowed in the locker room a certain amount of time uh, before um, that, and everybody would be good. Um, in there, and you could, you know, do some of your kind of quick conversations, quick hits. Generally, that was more about the game um, specific. And then post-game, that's where you did everything. Now, everything's like it was, or like it has been for a long time in the playoffs, where it's guys are up on the podium, you're answering questions. A lot of times, some of it's still virtual through Zoom and the like. So it makes it harder. The part that was insulting was Adam Silver, you know, And I don't think he intentionally meant it to be this way. But then when he repeated it several times was, you know, we don't need the media in the locker rooms watching players get dressed. I've been in literally probably 25, 30, 40, maybe even 50 different locker rooms between NBA and college. I've never once seen media members watching a player get dressed. You're in there where they do get dressed. Yes, that is weird. It's awkward. Especially visiting locker rooms can be Mm -hmm. extremely cramped in tight for space. Sometimes as you're you queuing up around a player who might be talking in a corner, you're encroaching on the next guy over from him space, and you try to be good about that. Um, but no one's in there watching players get dressed, and I think that was a big thing that a lot of media members took offense to. And that was what Adam Silver clarified of, you know, basically, I didn't mean that the way it came off. You know, we realize the media has a you know, role to play here. All it does is it just made made the job harder to build relationships with these players. I get it when fans are like, it is weird to be in the locker room. You're right. It is a little weird, but you don't get access to these guys anywhere else that isn't team approved, team sanctioned, mm-hmm. and team monitored. And that's the tricky part, right? There's no more of the just having a side conversation with a guy. And I'm not even saying, you know, I hear uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown having a private conversation and I overhear something. That's hands off. You don't report yep. that stuff. That that's Those two guys having a conversation. If you found something interesting and you wanted to ask, you can ask. And they're within every right to be like, that was a private conversation, man, But out. Mm-hmm. Cool, I'm out, right? I, I back off, I'm out of it. And a lot of times I would be like, oh, yeah, man, we were just talking about X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know, or, you know, and then you might get, get kind of a fun back and forth and conversation out of that. But it's the relationship part of, hey, can I pull you aside? One of the best conversations I ever had in a locker room was my first one ever with a player was Sonny Weems. Ooh. Big guy at the end of NBA rosters for a few years. Um, for those who don't know, my family's is a couple of generations back Lithuanian. And so he had played in Lithuania recently. So I talked to him a little bit about that. We had a really cool conversation about working your way back to the NBA after being overseas for a lot of years. And it's something I cherish because quite frankly, it gave me the confidence then to approach other players and have conversations. If I'm not in the locker room, never have that opportunity and that's sort where of things that's sad, right? You, you're just not going to get that because you're going to get it. Um, a Grizzlies writer. Completely unprompted, chimed in, and I thought it was spot on. Steven Adams is one of the best interviews in the entire league. He hasn't been made available to the media in months in Memphis because rarely is he the star player of the game. Rarely is his game so rough that you want to talk to him about it. Just kind of goes out there, does his thing, and that's it. Well, that's tough, right? I mean, that's really, really hard. And for every person who says, then ask to talk to him, you can ask. doesn't mean they're yeah. going to do it. You know, that's where it gets really, really difficult. So there it is. That's I, you know, chewed up a whole bunch of time there in a row, just give my thoughts. But you know, that that's where I'm at on this whole thing.
1: I I look at this and I think it it can be awkward, right? Uh, especially if depending on when you're led into the locker room. Right. So if there are players that are that are still getting dressed and stuff, that okay, it can be it can be awkward there. Most of the time that's not the case though. From locker rooms I've been in, by the time we're let in. Post game, most of the players are are dressed and they're and they're ready to go and especially if it's a road game for that team that you're covering they're not
2: a lot of them are yeah they're not
1: looking to stick around a hand they've got a bus to catch they've got a flight to get on right that's so it's not really a thing but to me there's got to be a middle ground where maybe okay if it's awkward having reporters in the locker room we'll have media in the locker room when players are getting dressed whatever okay say no media in for Five minutes, 10, minutes, whatever it is, whatever the time is, then mm-hmm. you let guys come in as play. Once players are all dressed and say, players, hey, you've got this time to get dressed, then media is coming in. And that's just me throwing something out there off the hip. There are some different things that you could do if that's that big of a concern, but I think you don't want to sacrifice that personal relationship that you can build with a player as well as the stories that you can get out of it out of being able to just sit down yeah. and have a have a conversation with somebody and getting a better feel for who they are as opposed to the formal setting of the guys at a desk and maybe you're zoom you're doing a zoom call and it's remote you're going to get a very different answer you're going to get a different sense mm-hmm. of the player's personality than when you're actually there so you don't want to lose that part of the storytelling so i think that there's got to be a happy medium there but I, I think that it's still it's an important part of, of our job is having those guys that are there and able to develop those relationships.
2: Yeah, that, that's exactly it it's it's a big part of it and everybody can say you know I only care about the games and that's that's great and, maybe, and that's probably true for a lot of people tell me you know what happens in the game but you know and I've seen some people say well maybe it shouldn't be that you have a conversation with people later right you know maybe it should be the next day instead of right after the game. Well, that I don't agree with either. Right. It's, you know, sometimes the, what you're feeling in the moment that is important still, right. We want to know how these guys are, uh, are, are feeling about this. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I have it, you know, the new world is the new yeah. world. I'm not gonna, you know, throw huge fits about it. I just, there, there's downsides to it for sure. And I, I think that's a, you know, that that's a problem, but it's, Adam Silver's not wrong. It's yeah. weird to be in, you know, in locker rooms. It's, it's always felt a little odd. Like it feels like you're going in somebody else's. Yeah, home. it does. Right. And it's a little like, Hey, I'm coming into your house to ask a million questions, which I've also done that in an interview setting. And that is, you know, infinitely au- more awkward. I was going to say awkwarder, yeah. um, but more awkward. Like that is like such a weird situation. Like that. I, you know, I, I can tell that story at another time later. If, if we want, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I, um, you know, I think let's see where it mm-hmm. goes. Adam Silver did say he wants to talk with the PBWA that's the professional basketball writers association. That's essentially the writers. It's not really a union, but it's like their, their, mm-hmm. their group that helps decide on, you know, various things within the media and how they cover the game. And, you know, and I think everybody benefits in the end, this is a very well covered league that we want to continue to be. So, but, that's probably more than enough on that topic.
1: I think me. so. I think so. I think we, we covered it, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where this all goes.
2: Chime in in the comments too. I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear what you know people think about this. Do you do you think it's a, a problem at all? You know, do you think it's not a problem? Like, where where do you go? You know, with, with this. So yeah.
1: By the way, just so this doesn't uh, blunt. who some of you may know from from Lakers Nation. Pop in and do some some quick hitter news stories for us, because I know that a lot of people enjoy sitting down and watching the full show or listening to the full show, <laughs> as the podcast version. But for some people, the quick hitter style, it's it fits their, their time availability a little bit better. So he's going to come in and hit each day, just a one or two quick news stories and put that out there on our channel as well. So be on the lookout for those. So if you click on a video and it's run on there, that's why he's going to be joining us. It's just something to see if we can um, continue to, hit different uh, different subsets of the audience and, um, yep. and just meet all the the requirements of, of what people are expecting in nba coverage so um so just be on the lookout for that and yeah if you click on a video and it's ron on there that's that's why keith and i will still be doing our long-form stuff but now we're just going to have that added extra nothing's going away we're just
2: adding more content for you which i think is a good thing and no changes to the podcast side the podcast side will still be me talking for far too much while trevor sits there patiently <laughs> waiting for me to let him speak
1: <laughs> oh come on it's not it's not that bad
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> sure <laughs> From my end, I'm, I'm, it's not bad. I like to hear myself talk quite a bit. So, yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Maybe I should do the the quick hit stories, and then there'll be 30 minutes of just me talking. For, saying, you know, there's no the such camp.
1: thing as a quick That's the problem, Keith. And you, yep. guys, you guys who it. are watching know this. We've mentioned this a few times. It, without fail, Keith and I will sit down and we'll look at, okay, we'll plot out our show, and <laughs> yeah. we'll say... Okay, we this we can knock out in 20 minutes doesn't fail. It will be 40 plus sometimes 50 minute yeah. show, which by the way, we're at 51 minutes on this one right now. So it Yay. will be even if we think it's going to be a short show, that is our way of jinxing it and turning it into a long show. It's just it's the way it happens. I don't know why, but it just does. We, we love know. talking about basketball too much, I guess. That's it. That is it. All right, everybody, (laughs) appreciate you joining us. Make sure you are subscribing right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. And don't forget, follow us over on the podcast side as well, over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. In fact, even if you don't listen to podcasts, go follow us on a podcast app. We would appreciate it. Subscribe. Uh, We always appreciate getting support there as well. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see you.